This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. So I have been threatening and promising a conversation about God Mm. for quite some time, and I'm finally here with the person that I wanted to kick this off with uh, because not only is she a legal expert and social justice activist, she also has studied a little something-something in this area and has come to some conclusions that aren't unlike the things that I've come to conclude. So let me welcome the one and only Afro State of Mind herself, Laurie Favors. Hey, how are you? I'm awesome. It's good to be here. Yeah, we usually get to chit-chat on a Wednesday, but mm-hmm. I, I said I wanted to talk to you. Um, first, I want to ask you, you, you were raised by a missionary. And a preacher. And a preacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But somewhere along the way, mm-hmm. you fell off the road. So did. Tell us a little bit about that journey off the off the uh, reservation, so to speak. Yeah. So I mean, it. I was I was um, what I call a super Christian, um, like junior Bible quiz champion. Run like several years in a row. Like I was making finals. I knew all the facts and and the figures and the books and the chapters and the verses. Um, and it was great. I was a part of the gospel choir. Like, you know, my mom, like, I mean, it was a wonderful thing. And we, we were, because we were military, we experienced a lot of different denominations. So a significant part of my life was Church of God in Christ or Kojic, um, similar to holiness. Uh, we went non-denominational. We were stationed in some spaces where there was like very few melanated people. So, you know, assemblies of God, like I've, I've sort of seen like a lot of different um, iterations of, of Christian faith. And I just I had some questions that I just was not getting satisfactory answers to. And I remember having conversations with a Sunday school teacher, many Sunday school teachers um, about Jesus being black and how it seemed important to me that Jesus had to be black because of just certain things we knew about the Bible. Like we knew that when Jesus was young and Joseph and Mary had to flee from Herod, who was trying to wipe out all the babies because he was scared that the Messiah had just been born, um, that they fled into, they went deeper into Africa to hide out. And it just struck me as odd to look up at a black church with white angels and white Jesus in a stained glass and at the pew, but yet to think that Jesus would go deeper into Africa to hide out. It didn't make sense to me. How did this white person find refuge in an all-black place unless he was also a black person? It, it, it struck me as odd. No one could give me rational answers. And we talked about, you know, Jesus has hair like wool and skin like bronze. And it just, everything about the brother seemed like he was a brother. But we had these images These physical, in every single church, regardless of the denomination, Jesus was white, blonde hair, blue eyes, maybe a tan, maybe like a Keanu Reeves type olive skin complexion. Um, And things just didn't make sense to me. I didn't like the whole women be quiet in the church. You know, Paul would write these verses, these letters, and women had to be quiet in the church. And and then people would focus on verses like, wives, submit to your husband. But then, like, if you keep reading, like, the next verse under it is like, men, you know, husbands, submit ye also to your wives. But, like, no one ever got to that verse. And I would be like, but you just, just why'd you stop? Keep reading. It just keep going. And it just, things just seemed like they were being cherry-picked in a way that was going to allow people to perpetuate an agenda of like women can't be preachers and why do women can't preach like what what age 
this was a constant for me. Um, I didn't understand how it was that the men could sit in the pulpit, but the women, the prophetesses, like my mom would get a word from God, right? And she would hear a word, someone would speak in tongues, and my mom would be able to interpret it. Or my mom would give the word and then interpret Like she's like, I knew spirit worked. Like you couldn't tell me like wasn't something spiritual. Like they're like, well, he come from spiritual people. I knew this stuff worked. Um, but it didn't make sense to me that she couldn't be in the pulpit. Like why you got to you you God just spoke directly to you. This man, he done he took notes, he wrote down stuff like God didn't speak directly to him. He did research, but you just got to, why you can't be in the pulpit? Why you got to wear a covering over your skirt in the front, if you sit in the front pew? Why is the pastor looking at your legs? Why would that be a source of attraction and disruption? Like, aren't you focused on God? Why would a cleavage be something so powerful that it could take you, who is the man of God, who is anointed, and who by your gender and penis-bearing body alone get to sit up in that pulpit? Why is a cleavage going to be a problem for you? Aren't you supposed to be able to part waters? And it, it, Things just did not makes sense to me and I began studying other books and I what was the first book that you oh man I don't even remember from um I don't want to say from niggas to gods what is it um oh I'm gonna have to look up the name of it there was one book in particular that talked about the devolution of like black people from like gods to like n-words and that and the idea of slavery and slaves be obedient to your masters. And I was also at the same time learning a lot about black history because I had aunts and uncles and, you know, my parent, my family was big into black history. But to learn black history also meant to learn about the role of the church in perpetuating slavery. I had questions like, are we OK with this? Was there ever like a gathering of the Christian folk where they said, sorry, like we messed up our bad, like the slavery thing, we should have done this. How do these th- how did these things happen? How could you be a slave? And 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 be a Christian and be owned by a Christian who was going to church. Like how do like th- it just didn't make sense. Mm. And the more questions I asked, the more answers I realized people did not have. And that made me realize that all the answers I needed were not going to be contained in the books that had been prescribed for me. When you think about, so for me having this conversation is super important because I. I, I was baptized at 11 mm. at Bethany Baptist Church, and I remember it like it was yesterday because my god brother was staying with us, and he came into my room the night before I was going to be baptized to do something really fresh, mm. which we had been doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the demons are all around. <laughs> it was like, something's happening. God can see yeah, me. God can see all of this. <laughs> and why is this happening now? You know I'm getting <laughs> baptized tomorrow. And I remember you know, doing this baptism, but you know, there was something spiritual going on. Yeah. I knew that there was a battle of my, yeah. for my soul. And yeah. I, I believe all of those things, but there was emptiness, um, mm. no substance, yeah. did, no logic. Yeah. And I was a very logical, precocious question yeah. asking person. And, and my mother went to church religiously. Yeah. But would curse and smoke and, mm. you know, d- you know, didn't do right. She want my father to go. And I would say, why would he go to church when there's no change in your behavior? <laughs> he could do that at home. Right. There's, no- there's nothing there that would inform him that right. something special is happening in this building. Right. <laughs> so it led me on another journey. Yeah. I picked up this book, Conversations with God. I think I was just out of college. But before that, I started studying the book of Revelations. I was obsessed oh, with yeah. obsessed yeah. with the end. Yeah. I needed to know how the thing was going to end. Mm-hmm. And Stephen King, The Stand, mm-hmm. was one of the first, you know, 
epic yeah. books that I read in high school, yep. which kind of is, is the apocalyptic end of the world. For I, me, it was like the Left Behind series. Read that. Yeah. <laughs> Tim LaHaye, Jerry Jenkins, read the entire thing. Yep. yep. But the relationship. Yeah. When I started the Daily News, I used to um, I met this one of my mentors was Joyce Shelby. She was a reporter there, and it was a young lady in the library named Dawn. And during lunch, we would have Bible study. Mm. And then I went to Times Square Church with Joyce and got a different experience with yeah. God. But I read this book, Conversations with God, Neil Neil uh, Walsh, Neil Donald Walsh, mm. and it was such a simple pared down just basic yeah this is god yeah this is and and immediately my my vision of god changed mm. you know wasn't this person this man in the sky right. with white beard because everything's mythological right. which is funny like we we live in a society that you know is so hell built bent hell bent on this Bible, but at the same time it's built on this myth of right. a man like Thor right. in the clouds right with a white beard and, yeah. a, you know, he sends his son down. And it's, you know, it's like, are you, what, really? It's like Clash of the Titans. I, and I, one thing that tripped me up was realizing how young the religion I would, I was practicing was. And then to think about how old the world was. And this is the one question that I could never understand. Well, if you lived and died before this became a religion, what happened? Are you in hell? And... Is Malcolm X in hell because he wasn't a Christian, but George Washington in heaven because he was, even though he owned slaves and presumably raped them and tore their teeth out of their mouth like while they were alive? Like, like does Abraham, like, does Thomas Jefferson get to go to heaven? But, like, the enslaved Africans who weren't Christian, do they go to, like, that to me is wow, like. Wow, you went there with I mean, that. I mean, I'm and studying guess, this stuff. Right, like, it didn't so, make sense. <laughs> and the answer was, well, yeah. And that. I couldn't, couldn't sit with. I couldn't sit with that. I could, and then, so there was one incident I'm remembering in particular. It's at a church that I went to when I was little. And it's, I knew it from this moment on. Is this where I traced the, the skepticism was like, nah, son, something ain't right. There was a prophetess who came to this church. The church will remain nameless because it is still in operation. Um, and the point was, you know, you need to eschew uh, wealth. You need to, you know, po embrace poverty. Like poverty, God loves someone who was poverty and, cl and closeness to God were kind of hand. So like people, I don't know how she phrased it, but people began taking off their gold and their jewelry and began putting it on the altar. Like these are the people in the church, began putting their items of wealth on the altar. And then I remember seeing the prophetess and her folks pack up like the jewelry and they left with the bracelets and the earrings and the necklaces Yo. and the pearls and I was like what is <laughs> going on like we're not gonna melt it down and like make it into a symbol they took that well they took those that those they took that stuff and I must have been like eight years old I couldn't have been no more than seven or eight years old and I remember that was like Something is very funky about this. I didn't like how the deacons looked at the women. I didn't like how I, there was just stuff. Mm. There was stuff that you should be checked on. If you are really a person of God, this should not be allowed to happen. Why you caught feeling up on sister so-and-so and, -so and y'all ain't married? Like what? That dumb things, those things. I don't know like the recipe for like creating water, but I know that those things should not happen. Right. And it was too many contradictions and inconsistencies. And I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't pin my life or death on that. What is it about people? Because I, I, I know that I'm 
you know, not normal. I've accepted that. <laughs> and I don't want to be, right? Uh, but there should be an absolute, right? Like, mm. this is right and this is wrong. What is it about us that we're able to suspend what's right and wrong? Like, you know, I was talking about the whole, you know, Trump and Cyrus. Mm. You know, how folks follow him, think right. he's Cyrus, and so right. they're excusing everything. Right. Which suspends all logic yeah. as it relates to the thing that you say you believe is a follower of Christ. Right. Christ was absolute in his teachings, right? Yeah. This is right. This is wrong. This is what that looks like. Like, why don't we hold each other accountable? Why don't we hold our, you know, it's like we are the people of Reverend Ike and Father Divine and, mm. you know, the, the guy from Car Wash that right. Richard Pryor played. Right, right, you right. know, like that's, and we, you're laughing because we know right. a lot of pastors like that. And today it's, you know, name a pastor, right. you know. Yeah. What is it about us? So I think that there, um, there's a difference between the way religion is practiced and expressed culturally and thought about culturally, depending on the region of the world that you come from. Western society is very segregative in nature. We separate things. And I say we only because we were forced to be here. So we are now a part of this. <laughs> so like we separate things out. It's black versus white. It's right versus wrong. It's God is experienced at this particular place on this day between this hour and this hour. Maybe you pray once or twice a day. Um, but we're, we're, other than that, you're living your daily life. There are other cultural connections to spirit that say and and this is going to be a broad generalization but in a more asiatic approach versus a more africanish approach um there is a different level of interaction spiritually than there is in the west so a book like a, a maladoma somay who's a wonderful author um he wrote this he wrote, his name is maladoma somay he is from the dagara people in guinea and he's written a series of books um uh, of water and spirit um, um healing wisdom of africa a number of books that talk about his experience and he is someone who at a very young age a part of the Dagara community I believe in in Guinea no and and uh and the Gambia um he was he's a son of the chief and his and there was a spiritual uh role for his house for his family but his father was uh converted to Christianity and at a very young age he was sent to be with the missionaries because he was sent to be with the missionaries, he was not able to be initiated through their spiritual practices, which meant that for his people, he was forever a boy. He was never going to be a man in their eyes. He was always going to, because you had to go, the whole village, everyone, again, rite of passage, which we've talked about a lot on your show, you had to go through this rite of passage because there were spiritual lessons that you needed. In addition to your physical training, in addition to the knowledge you needed about how to operate in this community, there was spiritual insight that you needed because this was a people that operated with spirit on a daily basis. So when his, he talks about in one book when his mother needed to travel far to go get water she would convert herself into a dog-like spirit like shape he's describing shape what we would call shape-shifting but she would trot on down to the water get the water and trot on back you know and he describes it in a way that is as matter of fact as what i just said but has speaks to a completely different connection and interaction with spirit and he talks about spirit from an african context being part of their technology the way we think mm. about wi-fi the way we think about computers they think about the different stones that they have in their community the bones that they read for insight and wisdom being able to speak to the baby in the womb and find out the baby's purpose and create that baby's particular song because in their community everyone gets their own song so that when the baby is born they are already singing the song which is imbued with the purpose for that child that has been communicated from the womb now we do sonograms so we know we have the ability to communicate and interact with the baby before the child is born they don't use sonograms they have a spiritual technology that allows for that they have an integration of spirit throughout the daily experience that in a segregated society we don't have there are cultural 
supports for how we interact with the divine that may or may not show up in your cultural group. I know like there, a friend of mine, we were in college, we were fascinated with this particular group, the Kikuyu in Kenya. And as we were reading about this particular group, they believed, as it was described in the book we were reading, um, that when male and female come together and have intercourse, that that is the physical embodiment of God because that is what you need, masculine and feminine energy, in order to produce life. And so you're no more closer to God than you are at the moment when you are physically engaged in sexual intercourse with another person because you are literally fusing your bodies in the spiritual act of procreation. That's a very different mm. understanding of something as basic as sex right it's a very different understanding but when you are guided with when your culture sees spirituality in everything versus a culture that sees spirituality as something that is relegated to a sunday you're gonna have a different relationship Mm. to the environment to the world to the foods you eat to the air you breathe and the health of everything in between i am every day i kind of like i i don't get why we don't understand that the breath that I breathe that the, is the exact same breath that you breathe, yeah. the same exact, we all share breath. Yeah. Breath, yeah. right? Which means we're all connected. And the power of being connected excites me. Yeah. I, all I think about are the possibilities of what we can get done. And when I imagine God, I imagine God being a sum total of all of us. Mm coming together with a purpose to do something, which is why, you know, I'm uniquely inspired right now to get us there Mm. because there are things we need to get done. And until we get that message, God is all of us. Yeah. He's omniscient because together you and I together Mm. know a lot of things, right? You, me, Dr. Jason Johnson Mm -hmm. together know a lot of things. Me, you, Dr. Jason Johnson, uh, Eldroy Williams mm-hmm. together know yeah. a lot of yeah at Laura Coates in there. That's right. We know a lot. Imagine millions of us together right. operating on the same right. orbit and the same atmosphere to do something. Yeah. We're omniscient. Right. All powerful. Right. Right. All of the things that we attribute to God, we actually possess and and it is biblical. Right. I and the Father are one. That's right. I and the Father I am, are one. There he is also. You Come shall on. do greater things than me. Where I like. Two, and that. he says two or more gathered, which That's means the, the, the goal is for two or more to be get, like, why right. don't we see that? It's plain. It's written. Well, if we still saw that and operated that way, and this goes back to our, converse, our conversation earlier about Constantine. Right. If we saw that and we really operated like that, let's just take us in America. If we were really being the little Jesuses that we could be, if we were really being the little Jesuses, what's that going to do to the healthcare industry? What's that going to do to the financial industry? So pause. What will it do to the healthcare industry? So who needs medicine if I can just lay hands and heal you? Who needs? Okay, good. Right for us. Right. But if I'm a person in power who so you're benefits me, from that, you're industry, telling me, you're telling me, because I'm about to go there on my show, but not go all the way there. So let's go there today. Yeah, because we can. Mm-hmm. You're telling me if not not just laying hands, but that there is a remedy for everything. And and technology, we, we were talking with Hadia Green as well. You know, technology happens in the friction. Right. And in, in the coming together yeah. of minds banging up against yeah. one another. You can't really iron sharpening iron. You can't right. solve right. anything by yourself, That's people. Right. So beyond me laying hands on you, mm-hmm. me laying hands on you can just be a bunch of us coming together to solve a problem right. around your health That's issues. Right. That's if we, right. If we work collectively, like what Hadea did in the lab. Yeah. She did that in the lab. 
then we don't need your medicine, your chemo. There goes your, your pharmaceutical industry. Right, so billions of dollars right. now. So you do what the people did. I was watching the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm. There used to be operators who would plug a, a little plug into a hole to connect people yeah. all over the globe to, to different people to talk to them. Mm-hmm. The phone had a cord. Mm-hmm. You would plug it in. The operator, those jobs don't exist anymore. Right. So what happened? They evolved, mm-hmm. right? Um, there were... Folks that in a bowling alley used to set the pins. Yeah. And they would roll the ball back to you. Now that's automated. Mm-hmm. So you evolve. So I can't. So you're telling me the big, powerful pharmaceutical industry couldn't evolve into something else? Of course they could. But why would I do that? And it was just easier to because keep you it sick. saves lives and people are healed. You and presume we don't that you. that's what the people who are in charge of the pharmaceutical industry care for. So you're telling me that they want us to die, Lorraine? I'm telling <laughs> you that if they were as invested in us living free of sickness and disease, we would not have Mark and Martin Shkreli's. Dr. Hadia Green would be funded because it would be a national priority that she be funded. Like if they were concerned, I'm not saying they want us to die. Then they they, want us to stay they alive. Want us to just stay alive enough, enough to keep, to keep give popping us them pills. Right. <laughs> but if we truly cared about health as a spiritual matter, we would have the, she would be funded. Okay. We wouldn't have to do. We wouldn't have to ask for these things. Right. If the if the food industry truly cared about healthy foods, we wouldn't have agribusiness the way that we do. Right. But we have agribusiness the way that we do because people some people get to profit from that. And we know that when profit is your motivator, you will kidnap millions of people from their homeland and drag them across waters and force them to work for free for life without a, th- a second thought. And develop a system to, to figure out how to keep them. And if life. you have a second thought, you'll create a religious system that supports it and will absolve you of your guilt. And now we're back to God. Yeah. But not really. <laughs> right? Larry Favors is joining me. We're talking about not really God because God is, right? God mm-hmm. is. Um how do we break that? Cause that, you know, intellect is part of it. Yeah. You know, there, there's some intellectuals cause you know, I, I challenged my doctor, um, shout out to Dr. Daftani. She's, she's Persian, mm. which is also Iranian, which is also Muslim. <laughs> and I challenged her because, you know, she's in, in, she's a scientist and I'm like, so how do you reconcile this God thing with science? And she said, God's all up in the science. The yeah. science is God is everywhere. Mm. And I was like, I agree. I was testing you. <laughs> But, you know, you get to a point where there are people who are so smart that they uh, they don't believe in God. Yeah. You believe in God. Oh, very much so. Absolutely. Why? 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 That that seems that seems weird. Lori, you're so smart. I'm <laughs> you're you. so freaking Thank smart. Girl. Um, and, and I believe in God because when I experience the power of God in my own life. Um, I experience the power of being in alignment with God, and I know what happens when I'm out of alignment. What? Tell me, what, when do you know when you're in alignment? Give me an example of alignment and one out of alignment. This is an example that I gave my son because it's a physical, concrete thing. I could give you the woo, 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 like how I feel and you know how my heart is warmed. But my husband and I, we, we come here for me to interview for a scholarship program at NYU Law School. I had no plans on living in New York. Did not want to be here at all. Um, Weekend went well. They put us up in a hotel at the Marriott. This is not the testimony. I'm just giving you the background. Put us up in a hotel at the Marriott in Times Square. We were dazzled by the lights. We were like, New York City, here we come. But we were dead broke. We had no money, right? Um, And we were driving. We had rented a car. We had to get back. We had a limited amount of time. We had to get back. We're driving a car. We're going in a tunnel. And we miscalculated the gas. The car runs out of gas while we're in a tunnel on a curve. The Lincoln Tunnel? I don't even know what tunnel it was. I just know we were on a curve, so anyone coming from behind us might not be able to slow down. 
I could see the end of the tunnel. I knew we were close. We needed gas. The car stops. Karen, I lied to you not, and my husband will tell you this to this day. I put my hand on the dashboard in front of me, and I started speaking in tongues. Because I know how to speak in tongues. That, too, was something miraculous that happened to me when I was young. I started speaking in tongues. The car starts. The car rolls and continues to pick up speed. And we go, there's a a gas station right out the side of the tunnel. We get to the, we turn into the gas station. I take my hand off the dashboard. The car stops. Never had an explanation for it. Could not have, like, given you the mathematical calculations for, I didn't know the science behind it. All I know is that in that moment, that faith that moved mountains, that got Harriet to figure out what she was doing, that got my mama Mm -hmm. to get out of the situations that we had to get out of in, I was able to channel that. And we got out of harm's way. And as soon as I like came back to myself, the car stopped. That was like a moment where we had nothing because we didn't know. Like we I don't like driving in this city partially because of that experience. We didn't know. We were scared shitless. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we were scared shitless. Had no like the car. The, nothing is turning. He's pumped. Nothing is happening. What moved that car was faith and prayer. So I've seen God do the work. And for me, it was kind of like, dang. If we could do that, you know how many other things Mm. I really need to be Mm. praying on? Like, do you know? Mm. And for me, it almost is like a sense of shame. Like, okay, you can use prayer when you like your life is in personal danger and you're threatened. It's kind of like the avatar. Like before the avatar learned how to control the power, it would only happen when he was super scared. He could only enter the avatar state. Like why you can only enter the avatar state when you super scared is you're going to get hit from behind. What happened if you could do that every day? Like, what if you could enter the avatar state or whatever you call your nirvana mm-hmm. on a daily basis? And so for me, I see God everywhere. Like, I experience God. I, I meditate. I, I I used to fast. I don't really do that too much anymore. I know that intermittent fasting is really good for you. But, like, I... I I'm a universalist in how I approach God, meaning I don't have a particular religious dogma, but I have so a why very... Why should you? So, I mean... It's limiting. I For right, me, it was limiting. Right, so... You know, part of this journey for me is to get whatever you believe, believe it. Yeah. Right. I, I have lunch frequently with a guy that's Baha'i. We're going to have him on the mm, show. Yeah. Uh, so it's such a beautiful person. I Shout out Dr. to Joy DeGruy is Baha'i. Da- yeah. Joy DeGruy Leary yeah. is Baha'i. Yeah. yeah. Um, so is Salai Abrams. She was mm. raised in a Baha'i family. So I'm some I'm I'm familiar with that for the yeah. first time. And I'm like, wow, you know, I know a couple of Buddhists and, you know, mm-hmm. it's like. Um, I was part of uh, International Church of Christ. Mm. Are you familiar with them? A little bit. Mm. I say this, uh, I'm going to confess, Yeah, uh, was part of what they call a cult, mm. where uh, I went to church every day and mm. studied the Bible every day. I yeah. even had tests, wow. you know, and I remember they want, kept pushing me into leadership. You know, they, they had this whole thing, yeah. want to, you know, put you into leadership because when they find you have a you know charismatic, and I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to be a leader and you can't make me, yeah. you know, because I understand it's like, this is... It, I see this. Yeah. So I remember one night I had a conversation with the head pastor and we were talking about leadership. And I said, can you tell me, cause we go out, we baptize people, study the Bible. There's this whole course that mm-hmm. you go through, uh, baptize many people, watch them be baptized. Um, but the, the message was only through this church will you go to heaven. Yeah. And, I love the community. I love the love. There was some issues, but, you know, I was good Mm -hmm. with overlooking that. But I said to him, I never forget this. I said, can you honestly tell me that if you're not a part of this church, you're going to, you know, this Mm -hmm. is the message. Do you really believe that? And -hmm. he looked at me and he was like, and I was like, well, I can't stay here because I don't believe that. 
and wow. you don't either. Yeah. And I can't be a part of something that's not true. Yeah. So I left that day. But the message and the, and the tenets of it stuck with me from the sense of, of community and, right. and love and coming together and, yeah. and, and how yeah. we should move. But, you know, I look at today and there's some people that are so wedded to the word that you saying shitless mm-hmm. with Oh, she's not really. And then she following don't. up with a thank you, Jesus. Right, 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 right. What's wrong with you? That is so, you're going to hell. You know, this notion of heaven and hell. And I, I think of it, you know, because um, I, I used to fear death. I used to, mm. I remember my grandmother died when I was 11 as well. A lot of things happened at 11. I remember laying in my bed, like, petrified because I said, one day I'm not going to be here because I was logical. Mm. Like, I know I'm going to, and I'm trying imagining myself in the ground. Yeah. You know, dirt's, and then like, where will I go? Mm. You know, what, who will I, you know, what, will I just stop? Right. I just go to sleep and not wake up. Like, right. I, you right. process that, right? Yeah. Most of us run through life and we don't ever want to contemplate that. Yeah. I spent years thinking about death, like, what's going to happen? And then I would be like petrified mm. and scared. And then I got to a point where it was like, okay, it's gone. There's nothing I could do about right. it. So let me try to figure out what this realm is and, right. and like imagine what that is because I got here from somewhere. Yeah. And I know they, my mother used to say, you know, she'd been here before or mm-hmm. whatever. You, know, you always mm-hmm. hear that mm-hmm. because I promise you, I'm not like either one of them. I'm like my parents for yeah. sure. But here, I'm not like my parents. Yeah. Like where I ended up, not, and, and many times I've watched them go, where did she come from? Right. So that means I came from someplace, mm-hmm. right? You say to your son, which I think is so beautiful. You chose us to right. come through. Right. What is that? I you know, and I don't even know what of the many religious groups I've studied that 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 sits with me on, but the idea that, you know, this you us being here is a collaborative process, right? Like yes, there's the act of 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 of, of sex and then, then there's the act of the baby being born, but the spirit that embodies the baby, for me, I believe like you you have a role in choosing the family you come through. Do you choose all the horrible things your family may have done and your mama did this, you that? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But, but maybe. Maybe. May be. Maybe there was something you needed. Maybe in a past life there were lessons that you needed to learn. I don't know. Yeah, but so that's the thing about us in these limited shells that yeah. we're in, right? Uh, which also embodies God, right? Mm-hmm. So how you treat it is how you're really treating God. But, you know, th- that we don't know because we can't remember. Right. So my whole quest was to remember. Mm. right because in the remembering then you're adding to the lessons so that you can because I, I look at this whole thing so i figured it out larie mm-hmm. this whole thing is not a test because people call it a test it's it's fulfillment mm. right and like how weak and how whack is it to come here and live an unfulfilled life. Yeah. Like, how whack is it to yeah. waste your damn time here yeah. on frivolous, superficial pursuits? How whack is that? Like, mm-hmm. so I figured that out real early mm. that this was something. So try everything. Mm. I didn't do weed because it just looks stupid to me. I ain't like how people <laughs> act. And I didn't like the drinking thing. But, you know, try things. Stretch yourself. Experience. Fail. Yeah. Run into a brick wall. Yeah. Ouch. Okay, that hurt. Let's... Yeah. Do some stuff that you wouldn't normally do. I'm not saying skydive, but like mm-hmm. live your live because the experiences. And if you choose a family with a crackhead mama, mm-hmm. an absentee father, mm-hmm. you may turn out to be LeBron James, yeah. who could never have been LeBron James without that crackhead mother right. and that absentee father. You know, 
come through with a, a white lady who was a nomad traveling mm. around the world with mm. a, a lascivious father who had babies in Kenya. Right. You know, right. and had you everywhere. Smoke some weed, do some coke, mm-hmm. and be Barack Obama. You know, right. like, sometimes choosing the worst thing makes you better because diamonds are made out of the mess. And the other yeah. thing is, like, I think people spiritually don't get, you know, that hardship, whatever that is, is all perspective. Right. Like, right. it, there are people right now with not arms and legs. Yeah. Like, I've seen this guy doesn't have arms and legs. He just got married. And he's a motivational speaker. Mm. And there's some of you aren't doing nothing. You're doing nothing with your life. Fully I double armed, negative. Fully legged. Fully legged. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? Right. Well, Perspective. He's, right. So yeah. I just, you know, I, I love, I love the opportunity to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. And But beyond that, I love the fact that somebody's listening to us right now who may have been really set in how they think about mm-hmm. things, which is part of the problem, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. What's the thing that you've most grown in recently? Something you've changed. I'm really working on accepting people in the capacity with which they perceive for themselves. So while I may think you are capable of just way more, and I'm thinking back on family members who I feel like have just failed me, and like, you, there's so much more you could have given. And it, if your capacity for yourself was within this box, and that's where you operated, I give you that. Like, and I... I'm learning to be at peace with operating with people within the capacity that they set for themselves. If your imagination is limited to this block and my imagination expands on this highway, I'm not going to judge you for not being on my highway. I'm going to work with you on your block. I'm judging. <laughs> Get your ass off your little tiny ass block. We got work to do. No excuses for you being on a tiny ass block. That's very big of you, though. I'm not that's, working that's, on that. That's where that's I'm at. I, have, I can be a very um, harsh when it comes to black or white things. And so I'm learning to sort of soften some edges a little bit. Okay. Taking some flower essences to help me out too. <laughs> flower essences? Flower essences. What, mm-hmm. what are these? So like uh, every flower has a particular essence that speaks to a particular biochemical uh, thing. Um, and I work with a number of healers who, you know, their their purpose in life is to combine different flower essences and, and to allow them it's like a it's like a form of homeopathic medicine that allows you to speak to the parts of you that need to be spoken to that need a little help opening up. I'm working on one now called Open. Um, shout out to you, uh, Lindsay Fauntleroy, who's a sister who I work with, um, and it's really helping me to work on the sharpness with which I speak, particularly to my children. Um, in a way that allows me to soften my communication with them. One of my goals for them is to have more of a snuggle-based relationship. Like when they were little, you show you could just snuggle, snuggle. And now they're getting big and they stink as, you know, and their body odors. And you, you just, as they get older, you physically are not. And so I want more of a snuggle um, spirit with my children. And so that's one of the essences I'm working with. So, yeah, but that and recognizing people's capacity and, and respecting that. What's God to you? Describe God. For me, God is the spark of possibility and creative power that all of us have. So if I'm a drop, then God is like the ocean. You know the metaphor? Like if I'm a wave, God is the ocean. That, But all of us have the same components of God. Like that uh, verse in the Bible says, you are God's and you shall do great. If you would only knew... Oh, it's in Psalms. I can't remember where it is, but it ye shall be gods 
or you would be basically God is saying like y'all would be gods if y'all would just damn act like it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Shit. Damn it. <laughs> um, but the idea that God is the best of what we are in our most creative, most empowered, most limitless potential on a massive scale. And we are just but drops of that. But we possess all of the power and the ability to create that God create. The God that created the universe exists within me. And I am an extension of that power. And I have the ability to do that, which puts a lot of pressure because I'm exp- I, I expect myself to create big and beautiful, wonderful things because I have access to the creator. I agree with that. Yeah. I'm expecting to move a mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Like now, I, like that greater things you shall. I believe that. Yes. Like, yeah. But what what if the mountain isn't what we think a mountain is right Mm. so so even all of that has to we have to be open yeah when we move the mountain to recognize it and what's you got to be open to seeing what what the mountain was hiding because the Mm. mountain was there for something what Mm. was underneath it what was on the other side of it because you moved this mountain but you got to have that same godlike ability to look at what's left (laughs) what's the mountain or be able to put it back right like oops i know y'all oh yeah are you you're optimistic? I know that because mm-hmm. I sit with you enough, uh, which is probably why we connect because I like I f- do feel kindred, but I mm-hmm. also feel that um, there's I think we're in the end times. Hmm. Again, I've studied Revelations. I knew it was for a reason. Yeah. I, I remember in college, I was in my dorm room with my college roommate. Um, she wasn't my roommate at the time. She was my first roommate. I only had one roommate my whole entire time at college. Um, and that was my sophomore year. And we were seniors we lived on the same floor and there were two freshmen so i became like the mentor of the freshmen mm. all the bad we ended up in the dean's offices a lot <laughs> i was a bad influence but we had bible study in my room mm. um andrea whose daddy was a preacher from staten island mm. kevin mason who was from newark and me and jill were in my room with and the tv was on in the background studying the book of revelations i don't mm. know whose idea was probably mine <laughs> three o'clock in the morning because, you know, that's when you do things in college. And we're going through and I'm reading certain scriptures and a commercial pops onto the screen for some product. And, you know, it's just noise. It's just mm-hmm. on. TV's just on. And the price jumps up in red, $6.66. Mm. And we weren't really looking at the yeah. TV, but we all at the same time looked at the TV. Yeah. Six sixty six in red. Wow. I closed the Bible. They ran out my room. Mm. I've never seen that commercial before or since. Nothing cost $6.66. And in that moment, I was scared. Mm -hmm. But I realized I should have been inspired. Hmm. Because clearly we were doing something that was bothersome. Right. Enough for some supernatural force to let us know, stop doing this. We got to interrupt this right now. Right. Yeah. And it did. It's like they, yeah. they went ghost, and I'm like, who's going to stay with me right. tonight? <laughs> if the demon is here. Right, right. <laughs> Y'all leaving me? All right. I'm, this ain't right. <laughs> but I, I've always been kind of drawn to this, and I felt like we've been in the last days, and I've been, I was obsessed in my 30s, 20s, and 30s. I'm mm-hmm. red left behind, as mm-hmm. I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Every single Christ clone trilogies. Yeah. Um, I know revelations like the back of my hand, you know, to the point where I didn't want to get pregnant because it said, mm, whoa, the per- pregnant mothers, right. nursing mothers for these we would be pregnant har- during the tribulation. Yeah. Lord have mercy. You should be, <laughs> don't go back. Don't right. go back. I was, you know, and I've been planning. Mm. Like I'm ready. Yeah. But I realized something. I might 
Mm, I'm not going to say this out loud, what I've realized. But what I've also realized, not the thing that I've realized, I'm mm-hmm. not going to say that out loud. But I've realized that you're not going to stop it from happening. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. And my job in this is to make sure that people know what's going on. Yeah. And to prepare them, not physically, mm-hmm. because this is not flesh yeah. and blood. We wrestle not against flesh this and is blood, not but principalities a, yes, and spiritual beings spiritual. in high places. Yes. And I need everybody to get there because yeah. what a glorious thing in heaven. It may not be a place yeah. per se. Right. Maybe a state of being. But you can't get there unless you go through this thing. Yeah. You can't get through the father to the father except through him. Mm-hmm. So that's my my thing. And I want to have these conversations, but more like as as people from Africa mm-hmm. <laughs> who many came in the holes of ships, our ancestors practicing Islam. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a fact. The majority yeah. of people who came over to this land were Muslims. How do we reconcile with that? Folks still holding on to this white man's religion mm-hmm. of Christianity, which I, you know, don't ascribe to. I believe Jesus lived this mm-hmm. earth. Mm-hmm. I follow the things that yeah. he followed. I'm inspired by them. Yeah. I'm glad to follow that. What do you say to them? So we have to remember that Islam was one of the first enslaving religions of the continent of Africa. So say that again for the people in the back of the pew. Yeah. <laughs> so prior to Christians and white Westerners, uh, embarking on the slave trade as we know it, the transatlantic slave trade, um, the Islamic uh, people who practice Islam were heavily, heavily engaged in the slave trade um, way before we were enslaved on the West and going out towards Which is why East. folks in I- Egypt, in India, Morocco, right, 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 right. all look uh, very right. Turkish. Yeah, blended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they don't look like Africans. Right. But that's from... right. Inbreeding with the slaves yes. that they were. So Islam and Christianity have both uh, have extensive histories in profiting from exploiting African people. Um, that is a whole other podcast. We could do that again. <laughs> yes, we, we could do, do that this again. Time. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that when we think about human history, some group of people is always in their end time. So when the Mayans, when mm. the Spanish conquistadors were coming, they was bringing the end times. When like the Portuguese were raiding the coast of Africa, followed by the British, the Germans, whatever, they were bringing in a type of end times. And so we are always, people are always in a period of, of tur- at one part of the world there's great turmoil, at another part of the world there's great joy. It's an ebb and flow. We're on a spectrum of time in many ways. Um, and so if we're living, if we believe this is the end times, then there can be good times through it, around it, on the other side of the world of it. So for me, we exist in a spectrum. I am um, personally exploring a lot of indigenous African religions. That's something that I of late have been a little drawn to. I happen to work in a legal practice where many of my coworkers are part of the Yoruba tradition. So I'm I was learning gonna a say, lot about the Orishas. Yeah. And, and a lot of things make sense because it makes sense, right? It, 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 so I am excited to explore. I think that as we're in this period, as much as we are in the, the labor pains of whatever is happening, there is a birth that comes out on the other side. Yes. And if we are prepared on this end and as we stay prepared as we're going through, what we produce on the other side could be really Wakandan. That's on, my goal. And on that note, I'm going to end it there. Um, we're going to... To be continued. Mm-hmm. We got to keep having this conversation. This is a, a journey, not a destination. We're not going to ever end up at the end. Right. 
and the end is not ever the end. And actually, right. that was a, that was a setup too. So <laughs> you passed, you passed. There are no end times. This, this, that's the conclusion I came to. Yeah. You know, we just shift. There's an mm-hmm. end of this world. There'll right. be an end to this world. Yeah, and, and that yeah. might be a good thing. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Actually, yeah. Yeah. I'm very optimistic about the end of these times. They need to go. Let me thank you, Larry Favors. Me. I appreciate you, Afro State of Mind. I'm looking forward to the things we're going to be doing. Yeah, coming too. up. Stay me tuned, too. y'all. So it's Karen Hunter, and you've listened to the Hub.